As we've started the new year, we have been talking a lot about vision and goals and how the biblical picture is that God gives vision, he puts forward the goals, and then he says wild things like make every effort to move towards those kingdom vision and goals. So we've summarized the last few weeks looking at the Apostle Paul, looking at the Apostle Peter with this idea that God says in regards to goals and vision, aim as high as you possibly can even imagine and then make every effort to move in that direction. And I want to continue that theme through exploring the greatest visionary manifesto for life that has ever been recorded as one coherent teaching, what is often called the Sermon on the Mount. Can a better vision for life be found? And I really think that's a, an honest question. I mean, if there is a better vision for life, I mean, I'm not trying to sound heretical, but theoretically, if there is a better vision for life, we should go after it. <laughs> I mean, you owe it to yourself to go after the greatest vision for life. Jesus is not going to lose. <laughs> but there's a, there's a authenticity and honesty, a sobriety about coming into the Sermon on the Mount that I think is very healthy to say, can you find a better vision for life? I don't think so. And do we recognize that every, we hear messages all day long that are attempts to supplant Jesus's vision with another vision. The good news or the quote unquote good news is coming at you in every single advertisement, billboard, Facebook ad, there is a message that says this is the abundant life. And we got to put those radars up and constantly be weighing that against the abundant life that is described by Jesus. And if it's not in alignment, <laughs> say, no, thank you. I've got a better vision. And so we're going to explore that. It is utterly breathtaking. It is extraordinary. It is so comprehensive. It's, it is miraculous how much ground Jesus covers in one sermon, in one sitting. It truly is. If you had nothing else of the Bible, you've got enough right there. I mean, it is truly a comprehensive worldview, a manifesto, a vision for what life is all about. And so we're going to explore that, and it is truly remarkable how many different questions of life this Sermon on the Mount answers. But before we get there, let's cheat a little bit. I want to go to the end. It starts in Matthew 7, or 5. I want to go to 7 at the very end so we can 
begin with the end in mind. The end shows us the response that Jesus is looking for. Our action plan, so to speak. We got to remember the way this Sermon on the Mount is presented. The original listeners would have heard the entire vision and then the call to action all together in one sitting. But since we're going to take a whole series to explore this breathtaking, heavenly vision for life, I think it's actually crucial for us to know from the beginning how the whole message culminates with a call to action on our part. So let's go there. Matthew 7, 24 to 27. At the conclusion of Jesus' vision for the kind of heavenly life that is possible now, he calls the listener to a response. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. How are you building your life? That's the question. That's how Jesus culminates the greatest vision for life ever put forward. He calls each and every individual to an extraordinary, even shocking amount of personal responsibility. Build your life, he says. The primary image that Jesus invokes is that of a, a house. That's your life that you're in charge of building on a rock or maybe on sand. What's truly astounding if you contemplate the implications is Jesus is saying, you are the one building your life on rock or sand. No one else. Now, don't get me wrong, God is clearly in the picture. Entire vision for life that Jesus teaches, and we're going to see that beauty uh, starting next week. I mean, after all, the, the central visionary image that Jesus is going to use that is the entire thread through this Sermon on the Mount, this vision for life, is what he calls the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. That's his vision for life now and all the way into eternity. So God, it's all about God. Please don't get that wrong in any way. But Jesus doesn't find 
that to be in conflict with his call to action and effort at the end where he clearly tells the listener, and you see this great vision, you are responsible to build your life. No one else. In fact, you are building your life. That's kind of even more of the implication. You're already building your life. It's either on the rock or on sand. For example, when we wake up in the morning, you know, it feels like your brain kind of starts to exist again. You know, like, I don't know a better way to put that. You come out of like that sleep world into the awake world and you kind of like, oh, I'm alive, right? It's, 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 it's a weird thing. It's like, oh, consciousness kind of goes from nothingness or a dream world into like you recognize you are in your body, mind, and spirit. You're there, right? You start to process your life. No one can do this for you, not even if you try. You start to think about your day. Sometimes, if, if you're at all like me, sometimes you immediately feel stress about your day. You make choices before you even hit the floor. You make choices around your actions for the day, your attitude, the perspectives you're going to carry, new habits to try, decisions to say yes or no to. But it's just so important to, in some sense, recognize that no one can do this for you. Not, not even if you try. This is the, the reality that at the end of the day and the beginning of the day, you and only you are making, in a sense, those those final powerful decisions about how you are going to build your life for better or for worse. It, it is really profound that Jesus calls people to action and quite shockingly, he speaks directly to the individual. And I say quite shockingly because in the first century culture, the context, Jewish culture, Near Eastern thought, identity was very much a, compared to our individualistic world that we live in now, it's very collective. Group identity is, is much stronger than individual identity. So it would be startling for the listener to hear at the end of the message that every, and it's hard to see this in, in in the English translation, but it's very clear in the Greek that when Jesus speaks this call to action in Matthew 24 to 27, every noun, every pronoun, every verb is in the singular. So he is, in other words, saying, I'm talking to each one of you, and my call to action is that you and only you are ultimately responsible for building your life. It is not a collective life. It's your life before God. And, and this contributed to changing civilization right here. It really did. Our entire Western world is built on the notion of the, what you might call the divine individual or the individual created in the image of God as an individual, male and female. He created them in the image of God. 
where we and only we are ultimately responsible for our personal relationship with God. That this right here was one of the catalysts to literally forever change the world and civilization. Now, this isn't to say that we're lone rangers, that just pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and don't need anybody else. Far from it. My wife just shared beautifully about life groups, and one of the primary reasons they exist is because we absolutely need one another. We need each other. We are made for community relationships. We will not reach the fullness of the vision that Jesus has set out for us in this kingdom of God way of life without strong community, without relationships. But, and Jesus is going to, we're going to see this from the get-go in the Sermon on the Mount. It's going to be amply demonstrated that life is greatly enriched and empowered and encouraged by the, the one another's, by God's design. But when it comes to taking the action steps to, using Jesus' language, building your life, only you are ultimately responsible to God for that. And to me, it gains an even deeper power if we think about the context of the listeners that Jesus originally spoke this to. The call to build your life, if I'm, if I'm honest, like, and I think about the Jews and their current situation, when Jesus is saying this, it's like, wow, that's, that is almost unreasonable to ask of them. It's, it's I mean, the Jewish people lived in that time, under Roman occupation. It is not a pleasant situation. I mean, we live nowadays in, in compared to the, all of human history, we live in a relative, relatively, if not the most, just and free and prosperous society that has ever existed. Though we've got some issues. Things are not moving in the greatest direction. But we've all, I would assume, we can identify with this notion of building our life. Because there's, I think, enough peace and prosperity and justice and comfort to where, when someone says, hey, are you building your life? You, you, there's a sense of like, yeah, I, okay, yeah, I, I get that my choices can make a big difference in the kind of life that I build and thus live. okay. But how is that message supposed to connect with someone living under foreign occupation and oppression? They have no freedom. They, they don't have anything close to what we have in our concept of human rights, liberties, justices, opportunities, and, and, and honestly, so you think about Jesus saying, hey, so build your life. I mean, there's a part of me that's like, if I'm a first century Jew listening to this, I'm like, build my life? 
What, what, what do I build? Like, I, under the, the whimsical anger of a centurion, I could lose my life if I step out of line in any small fashion. What, what, where's my room to build? I'm serious. And so either Jesus is like, like naive and, and, and out of touch, or there is a, a vision that he has personally experienced embodied, living, that is so profound, so potent, that if actually lived out, it could infuse a life with this transcendent, miraculous power over even the most grim and dismal of circumstances. And obviously, I I believe it's the latter. (laughs) Jesus is no fool but it speaks to the the profundity of the power that he says this vision can have in building an abundant life. More on that in a minute. I want to talk about the word build for a moment. It's a good one. It's decisive. The Greek word, when Jesus says, you know, the, the wise man is the one who's built their life built their house on the rock, oikodomeo. Pretty straightforward. It's the sense, it's cool though, it's a sense of construction, building, making a home. And I kind of think of that, I, I personally like that conception of building a life. You're, I'm building a home. I'm building a dwelling place by my actions, efforts, responses to Jesus's vision. I am building the place that I dwell. I kind of can't get away from that. So I want to build on the rock. Because <laughs> you're all building. We're all building where we dwell. That's a fact. Rock or sand, Jesus is going to show us here in a moment. But it's pretty interesting to note that Jesus, I believe the word was a tecton, describes it. You know, people say Jesus was a carpenter. I believe that word was tecton, which is a little bit more nuanced. It's a carpenter and, and a stonemason. So it's kind of a, a, a bit of a both and. So it's just cool, kind of a side note. In this passage, he mentions the importance of constructing your house. So that's kind of like that carpentry picture on the rock, on a stone foundation, a proper a stonemason's foundation. But more importantly, Jesus uses, and this is cool, he uses those same words and images of, of, of construction and rock or stonemasonry for his own work, his own building, his own ministry. Later in the book of Matthew, so same author, same words, intentionally recorded that Jesus says, on this rock, which is the same word that's in Matthew 7, on this rock, the Petra, I will build... Oikodomeo, same exact word. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail, or hell will not win. So in other words, Jesus uses the same exact words and imagery, building and rock, to describe his own personal responsibility he has to build his church as we each do for building our life. 
that's cool. <laughs> the other key image is rock or sand. This contrast essentially between worldviews, visions for life. Not all visions for life are created equal. Rock or sand. One vision for life makes it possible to build an abundant life that moves upwards towards more of heaven. Other visions of life that you might build upon, that we might build upon, will cost us everything in destruction. This is really, really worth thinking through. Honestly assessing what are we building our life on. We could take things, for example, like anger, bitterness, greed, fear, lust, envy, revenge, things, by the way, that Jesus talks straightforward about all of in his vision for life that's coming. But what if you built your life on those? Now, that's repulsive. It's repulsive when we see it as a list, but it's actually quite easy to let those things creep in and build on them. Not intentionally, maybe even. You, 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 why does the Bible say, don't let your son go down in the anger? Wait, don't, don't let the son go down on your anger. I kind of said that, right? I don't know. What I'm, here's the point. You do it for a day, it's a rough day with a bad emotion. You do it for a, a few days, snowballs into eh, kind of feels good to be angry. You do it for 30 days, you, you got a habit. You do it for a few months, it just becomes normal. Do it for a year, it's, you know, it's easy. You do it for a few years, you've built your life on it in regards to how you handle certain situations. It snowballs, man. It's exactly what Jesus is going to go after. And it is not hard to look out into world history and current realities to see entire industries businesses, and in some places, whole political systems and economic systems built on these very kind of things. And if that's true, then we just got to be honest and sober that if it's happening out there, it's probably happening pretty locally here, and it's very possible to happen in here and in here. And that's why Jesus is going to go after those kind of specific things. And I'm not trying to be overly pessimistic. It's meant to affirm the sober reality that Jesus is going to lay out for us, which is that not all visions are created equal. There are some systems of thought that are a path to hell. And hell is real right now for many people where they just it feels like hell. And life can be described in those terms, and it doesn't feel like an exaggeration. And so much of it has to come, it comes back to, well, what's your vision for life? And what are you building on? That's why Jesus wants 
to lay out this vision of hope and abundance and freedom and healing and wholeness and love and joy and peace and power. And he really believes that you can experience that right now in increasing measure as you build your life on the rock. It's so interesting to see, the, in a sense, the anecdotal evidence of the realities that not all visions are created equal. After Jesus finished the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7, 28 to 29, it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This is like anecdotal evidence. Kind of the people have spoken, so to speak, of the difference between rock and sand. They're used to the sand. They had presumably been taught a vision for life by their teachers, but it wasn't amazing. And it carried no authority. And Jesus teaches this vision for life that in a sense has this self-evident authority. It's like, whoa. Not all visions are created equal. And, and what he is saying, my, my spirit leaps inside to say this is different. This is life. I am amazed at the good news that this is presenting before me. It's self-revealing that he is the rock. And in some ways it's the stakes are high. Not in some ways. The stakes are high. <laughs> life is on the line. Life, your life, is on the line. Jesus, in this life and in the one to come. I mean, Jesus is shockingly sober in the way that he just says this. As he talks about building your life on the rock, it's like, well, part of why is that so important? He says, well, because the storm's coming. You can't avoid it. The rains are going to come. The winds are going to blow. There are, are, are tragedies and evil and malevolence in your life that are coming your way. You are going to face them. No one's immune from it. They are going to try to just beat you up. Jesus is not trying to be morbid. He's not trying to be cynical. He's just preaching truth that we are born into a broken and fallen world where there is a spiritual battle that is raging at every single moment. And as John 10.10 10 says, Jesus says the, the crux of it is this. There is an enemy who is on the prowl to steal kill, and destroy your life. But I have come that you may have abundant life. And that's what his whole vision is about. But that vision for the abundant life that he lays out, he then finishes by saying, but you are responsible to build it. And that is not at odds with God's grace. 
We're going to see that next week. As we start the Sermon on the Mount, go back to verse 5, we're going to see this overwhelming, never seen before, unprecedented in human history level of God's gracious power and presence available to us right now, right in front of us. The kingdom of God is at hand. And it requires a response where Jesus says, the one who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is the one who is building their life, building your life on the rock. So we'll close with those two things. This is the how do you build your life on the rock. The one who hears these words of mine. This is not a simple comprehension of words. This is worldview shattering transformation of the mind towards the good news of heaven. Remember, we are looking at the action plan at the end of the, the visionary manifesto, so to speak. And in this vision for life where Jesus covers this astounding amount of territory about the possibility of an abundant life, what this means for the listener then to actually hear it is that if is that we are going to be challenged in just about every area of our current life thinking. Our thoughts, our actions, our values, our expectations. Jesus' vision is intended to turn our world upside down or turn it upside right or onward and upward toward the kingdom of heaven. That's the goal. But with each topic Jesus addresses, he is inviting us anew to come with that childlike mindset that in a sense says, I know nothing, teach me Jesus. A new way of life, a heavenly thinking kingdom of God minded way of life is what I need. But here's the thing, it's going to cost you your old way of life. It will cost you your old way of thinking and approaching all these different scenarios and situations of life that have become so normal. We must be ready and willing to have our minds transformed with a new way of life, a new vision for life. If we're not willing or able to hear Jesus in this way, we're not building our life on the rock. And then the second and last part, and we'll close for today, is where Jesus says, and then you got to put it into practice. So the second part of Jesus' action plan or effort plan or response that we have the wonderful, beautiful, relational privilege to engage with is to put these new ways of thinking and living 
directly into practice. We actually have to do something with it. Practice, practice, practice. If we put the words of Jesus into practice, we are beginning to build something special. That phrase puts them into practice might be translated differently in your Bible. It might just see, say do. The one who does them. It's not very complicated. You just hear the words of Jesus, just do them. You don't have an abundant life, just do it. The Greek word poeo has this literal sense. It's very cool. It's kind of back to this building and constructing imagery. It's to make, to manufacture, to produce, to cause. Now, let me make you uncomfortable. Jesus said, you're in charge of manufacturing and causing the abundant life in your life. So if you're bothered by that, good, talk to Jesus. He's probably got some good news in there for you about how much more is possible. It carries this sense of performing an action, performing a practice so we're back to this just very strong sense from Jesus building your life, effort and action on our part. So to just be amazed and in awe of this incredible teaching is not even close to enough if you want the abundant life. We must first be transformed in our thinking over and over, about the kind of life that's possible. Hear these words of mine, Jesus says, and then we must put into practice this new way of life. When you put these two things together, you have begun the journey, the lifelong journey of building your abundant life. Let's pray on that, and we'll do some more next week. Heavenly Father, we thank you. I, I absolutely believe that every single person in this room, to some degree, has tasted the abundant life, that you are good, that you are what we need that you are the bread of life, the living water. That in a dry and weary land where there is no water, you are the river of life. You are the place where your children come to feast on the abundance of your house. So we pray that as we embark on this journey of exploring the Sermon on the Mount, that your Holy Spirit would help us be childlike to hear your words, to allow our minds to be renewed, transformed with your vision for how to approach each and every situation of life. And we pray that your grace would Fill us up with the power and the courage and the perseverance and the self-control to put all these things into practice 
so that we can build our life on the rock. To your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing a new song. I will sing a new song.